Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. We're starting our fourth episode of the financial planning process. And today we are joined by my great friend, Chloe Moore. Chloe, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again. You know, it's always fun to have friends on and Chloe has been someone that's, I'm just telling the Minority Money Podcast community, Chloe's been someone like a mentor to me. She's just a great financial advisor. Like I'm not just saying that because she's here. She's really good. So you guys are in for a treat today with her expertise and knowledge and our awesome friendship. Like really, really, really appreciate Chloe and everything she's done for us here at Gen Next Wealth and what she does in the industry. Yeah, let's jump right in. If you wouldn't mind, Chloe, tell the people here on the podcast a little bit about you for those that might not know who you are. Sure. My name is Chloe. I'm the founder of Financial Staples, which is a virtual fee-only financial planning firm. I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, but I serve clients all across the country virtually. And I specialize in young professionals that work in the tech industry. And so typically my clients are anywhere from late 20s to mid 40s. And they work at various tech companies and they have some form of equity compensation. So that could be restricted stock units, stock options, you know, things of that nature or pre-IPO, stuff like that. Equity compensation is so interesting to me. I've had a few people come on and talk about it. But for those people, you know, I know obviously people that understand what equity comp is or that have compensation that's tied to equity know exactly what it is. But for people that don't know what equity comp is, can you guys give us like a brief explanation of what that is? It's really just another form of compensation. When you think about how you can get paid from your company, most people get a salary. And so they have a cash salary. Some people get bonuses. So another form of compensation is, is equity compensation. So that's basically your company's way of giving you kind of stock in the company that you work for as a form of your compensation. It can come in different forms. There's different tax consequences, decisions to make. But yeah, that's really what it is. And that's important, right? Because when you think about equity comp, like any compensation, I think about a compensation all the way around, even down to like the benefits and like your 401k. Some people say, I get free money, right? I get free money (laughs) because they match my 401k. And I'm like, no, 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 that's a negotiated part of your compensation. You're supposed to get that. If you don't get it, that's your fault, not theirs. And I think that equity comp is very similar, right? It's on the employees to understand how to use the equity comp and make sure that they can leverage that. With that being said, when we're jumping into the fourth step, the developed plan, making recommendations, and if you wouldn't mind, Chloe, would you take us through like, what does that process look like for your clients when you're recommending or developing the plan? And just kind of take us through how you do that with your clients. Sure. And so for a little context, I'll kind of briefly just talk about my planning process in general, like up to this stage. I have a very kind of structured process for my clients whenever we start working together. And so at the very beginning, we do a discovery. We talk about you know, money histories, goals, values. I have some assessments that I do with clients, to kind of just understand where they are with their attitudes and behaviors towards money. Once we have that kind of qualitative information, then we start to look at the quantitative information. We start to analyze like all of their statements and all of their documents and information that they provide to us. The very first part of the process is just kind of understanding, okay, where are you financially? We'll look at what's your net worth? What does your basic cash flow look like today? Do you even have a cash flow plan or a budget, which most people don't? <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, that's one of the first things I like to dig into is just kind of understanding, okay, where is your money going? And how much are you saving? How much do you have? And what kind of adjustments do we need to make there? That's usually the first part that we'll start as far as recommendations and developing the plan as we develop a strategy for managing their cash flow, uh, their debt, and their savings. Mm -hmm. Some of that, a lot of the planning that we do is really just kind of balancing where are you today? Where do you want to be in the future? And then what adjustments do we need to make? you know, along the way. Life's really the balancing act. Things that you do today, decisions that you make today with your money, those will affect the outcome in the future. Just helping clients understand what that looks like is very important part of the process. When you're going through that, like as a planner, right, we deal with a lot of people that are trying to navigate this. But when you're going through this with someone, what are some of the things that pop up when you're talking to people? Like just some of the common things that people say, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, I'd say... Two of the most common things that the clients come to me with is they have student loans, in most cases, six-figure student loans. And a lot of them want to buy a house, a multiple six-figure house. (laughs) Those are two of the big goals. And since I do work with tech employees, a lot of times they have a decent amount of equity compensation. So it could be anywhere from the low six figures up to the low millions. That's one of the biggest parts of the strategy that we develop is how do we take this equity that you've received in your company and use that to help you reach that goal of paying off your student loans or buying a house or maybe retiring early. We'll start to kind of dig into those details of what the equity looks like, what decisions do they need to make, what tax consequences are there for those decisions, and really just get into the trade-offs. If you do sell your stock today, you might miss out on some future growth in the stock, but it can help you reach these goals right now. Or, you know, if you have 80% of your net worth tied into this company's stock and you keep the stock and the stock declines or it drops in price, then most of your net worth is wiped out. How do you feel about that? So just kind of helping them understand those different trade-offs that they could make. Like the trade-offs, the cause and effect, right? We're going to do this and this is the effect of that. This is the cause and this is the effect. When you're getting into that with clients and you're taking them through that cause and effect, like what are some of the things that And the reason why I'm asking this is because I know that people are going to be thinking, okay, what things am I going to have to forego to hit this goal? How are those conversations when you tell someone, okay, this isn't going to work because we're talking about developing the plan and making recommendations. What you're doing ain't working. It's not going to work. We need to like change it. How do you deliver those conversations? Most of the time, it's just a matter of extending the timeline. People come to to us and they have these kind of unrealistic expectations of what they want to accomplish and the time frame that they want to accomplish it. Someone comes to me and let's say they're in their mid-30s and they want to retire by the age of 40. Mm-hmm. Well, if you haven't been saving and if you mm-hmm. haven't done the things that you need to do to prepare for that, there's a lot that has to happen in five years. There's a lot mm-hmm. of sacrifices that you have to make in order for that to work or it's probably not possible. So it's just a matter of kind of helping them understand, okay, this is what we can do. This is how much you have to sacrifice if you want this to happen in five years or five years is not realistic. How about 10 years or 15 years? Just understanding like what sacrifices that you have to make in five years. Or if we do this, that seems a little bit more reasonable, you know, based on how you want to continue living your life and you still want to enjoy today and not sacrifice everything to retire early. Then, yeah, maybe we can do this and push the deadline out by 10 years. It's a lot of kind of understanding, like, how do we need to push back the deadlines possibly? In some cases where people have done a great job, Maybe your deadline is farther away than it really needs to be. You know, mm-hmm. if someone wants to retire in 10 years and they get retire in five, 
same thing that goes, you know, with buying a house, with paying off debt, understanding, okay, if you want to buy a house in the next year or two, these are the things that you need to do to make sure that you're prepared. Sounds like you're talking about like timing and priority of the mm-hmm. recommendations that you make. And I think that the timing and priority of the recommendations is just as important as the recommendations themselves, right? Right. Sometimes in some cases, maybe even more important than recommendation is the timing of that. When you have a client, you know, they got these three, four goals that they have. And when we're thinking about timing and priority of what they want to achieve, how do you take clients through that? Like on the priorities, like maybe they had something at the top priority that shouldn't be the top priority. How do you go through and prioritize what goals should be done for the clients? And then the timing, you said this is a five-year goal, maybe it should be a 10-year goal. Talk us through how you prioritize and develop the recommendations for your clients. I think a lot of it just depends on, I always ask the clients, what do you want to accomplish? Like what's most important to you? And I have them prioritize those things. Once we start working through and we see that maybe we can't, you know, accomplish all these things at one time, we'll start to kind of look at some of the numbers, you know, kind of figure out, okay, what is possible and how do we need to maybe shift some of these priorities? It all goes back to understanding those trade-offs. If you really want to accomplish all of these things right now, it's possible, but how much do you want to sacrifice to do that? And what are you willing to give up? Do you find that when you're talking to people and they, because I've had this happen, right? You make a recommendation and the client's just like, well, how do you deal with objections to your recommendations for the development of their plan? I have had some objections before. (laughs) I just always like to think of it as a collaborative process. I tell clients, you know, I'm not here to tell you exactly what to do. I'm here to help you understand the pros and cons and help you think through making financial decisions. And it's up to you at the end of the day to decide what's best for you and what's best for your family. And cases where people do you know, maybe disagree, we can talk about you know, why they disagree or why this recommendation doesn't sit well with them. And we make adjustments to make sure that they're comfortable. And I think a lot of times when people don't agree with what's going on, I think that they've told us something or left something out. Mm-hmm. that we don't know about. We don't have complete information. It makes it kind of hard for us to make a recommendation, not knowing that maybe we're saying, okay, we're recommending that you save $500 a month, but you didn't tell us that extra $500 a month in your cash flow is going to, you know, you're sending that to the family somewhere else that needs the money. And so I think that having that transparency with your financial advisor and being able to be candid and open with them aids us in making the most accurate recommendations for what you should do in your situation. I'm trying to think of other things that would not necessarily impact the recommendation. What are some of the things that you may hear from clients that would lead to recommendations? Like I know people always talk about retirement. We know people always talk about savings. We know people always talk about student loan debt. We know people talk about purchasing homes. When you have someone coming in like that and they really don't have a priority to that, how do you help set that priority? Because I know sometimes people just come in and they're just like, I just need help. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I just wanted to hear how you would walk someone through that, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah. So at the beginning of each relationship, I always like to ask clients if they have any urgent decisions they need to make, or if they have major concerns that are keeping them up at night that they want to address right away. Some people do have those things and they'll mention that in those early conversations. And so I make sure to make those things a priority. And in some cases, people come to me and they're like, I don't know what to prioritize. I don't really even have any goals. Like, I need you to help me come up with goals. They're just kind of a blank slate. So in cases like that, what I like to do is just, I'll look at their situation and kind of see what I think is a priority. 
just based on their situation. So a good example is if I have a couple and let's say they have small children and I see that they have no life insurance outside of, you know, maybe their one-time salary at work and they have no estate documents. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to be one of the first things we do. That's a priority in my mind because that's a place where they're highly exposed. And so we'll start talking through that process. I mean, even with the life insurance, just making, talking about recommendations and developing recommendations, I'll have a recommendation for how much life insurance they need based on what they told me is important to them, what they feel like they want to cover if something happens to either one of them. But, you know, we can kind of prioritize that and make adjustments as well. You know, one of the big things is, do you want to have enough money to pay for your kid's college if something happens to you and just basically be able to throw a lump sum towards college education? That could be a debate with spouses. Do we want to cover private school out of state? <laughs> or do we want to just cover like basic in-state public school tuition? Just kind of understanding what are the things that we want to cover? Do we want to make sure all the debts are paid off once it passes away? That amount of, of insurance could be based on so many different factors. And it's all based on what's a priority to that client. As I'm listening to you talk, it's just awesome to hear the way financial advice is supposed to be given. You haven't sold a product. You know what I mean? We're just giving advice and you're just like listening to what's going on. And that's what I want to make sure that the listeners of the show are able to hear. Like there shouldn't be recommendations made to you in the first meeting. This is the fourth meeting. And now we're getting to recommendations, like the fourth step of this process. And as you guys are hearing, Chloe spends a lot of time getting to understand what's going on with the clients. And you've heard this time and time again, this is the fourth advisor that's on. None of them knew that you guys are all saying the same thing. Like you got to spend time <laughs> understanding what's going on with the client. You got to get to know them. You have to understand their situation so that you can help them prioritize the things that are important to them. And one thing that I'll ask you, Chloe, as we're thinking about this, what is something that you would say, if you give two tips, just two parting gifts to people as they're getting into their finances and trying to make that decision on whether or not to hire someone or making that decision on make that next step. Like, what would you say to that person? I'm glad you gave me two because I have two. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is really just take some time to get clear on what's important to you. What do you really value? What do you really want your life to look like? And I think that's something that's super important as I'm working with clients. When I'm working with someone that has a clear understanding or a clear vision of what they want their life to look like, it's so easy to pull in all the financial tools to make things happen. But, you know, some people just, we all get so busy in life and we don't think about, like, we're working all the time, you know, we're taking care of families, doing all these things and all this busy work. And sometimes we need to sit back and think, what do I really want? So I think that's something that can help you in so many aspects of your life, but especially in your finances. The other thing is just not to think of planning as a product. It's really a process. I know you've probably said that plenty of times, but it's a process. The plan itself will be obsolete as soon as you show it to a client. But really making those adjustments along the way, making sure that we're being proactive, we're providing that accountability and partnership. Those are the things that really make the plan work. Awesome. I love it, Chloe. I'm not going to add nothing to that. Chloe said what she said, what she said. She made some very great points. And I think that as a listener, if you're hearing this, take heed to what Chloe is saying. What she's saying is very, very important. I just want to thank you, Chloe, for coming on and sharing your expertise, sharing your time with our people here. I know how valuable your knowledge is. Listen to what Chloe said today. Take it in, soak it in. And we're going to end with that. Chloe, thank you again for coming on. Thanks coming for having on. me. <laughs> 
And as you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I'm your host, Emlyn Miles Magley. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time.